Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Good morning. Our scripture today comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that, it may, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Happy Fourth of July. Um, Will you pray with me before we begin? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with all the blessings in our hearts, all the wonderful things that you have provided for us, just the ability to sit here, to worship you, to learn from your word. We thank you for these things. Lord, I ask that the words that I am speaking this morning are yours and not my own, so that you might speak through me and let us learn more about you. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. So for the past few weeks, you've been looking at the armor of God. And Paul's last piece of armor that he tells the church of Ephesus to put on is this sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That seems pretty straightforward when you first look at it. The word of God is something that we all want to have near and dear to our hearts. But the word of God is a little less simple than it sounds, especially when you realize that Paul couldn't have been talking about the Bible here, at least not in the way that we think of it. The Bible as we know it didn't exist at this point, and wouldn't for another couple hundred years. What we're reading this morning in Ephesians is the equivalent if someone from 2,000 years from now decided to read our emails. So we're looking at letters that I'm sure Paul didn't intend to last more than a few years of circulation around the churches of the area, if he even thought that far. So what on earth does Paul mean when he talks about the word of God, if not talking about the Bible? He uses the Greek word rhema here as the word, and other authors talk about the word of God with the Greek word logos. And when we talk about the word of God, or when Paul talks about the word, it's clearly something important. 
Words tell us so much about each other and about ourselves. Just the words that I am saying right now, whatever vocabulary I use, it can tell you a little bit about who I am. Maybe it's telling you something about my background, my education, what I like or I don't like. The words that I use can tell you about my hopes and my dreams, my plans for the future. So when we think about the words of God, that's incredibly important. The words that we attribute to God tells us a lot about who we see God to be. The way that we wield this sword of the Spirit tells us exactly who we see God to be. And so Paul calls the Word of God this sword of the Spirit. And what comes to mind when you think of swords? Maybe you're thinking of samurai movies or that one scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where the swordsman comes out swinging his swords and then Indy turns around and shoots him. Or maybe you're thinking more classically, thinking about King Arthur's Excalibur, the Swords and Stone. Uh, but when I think of swords, um, I can't help but think of this scene. You see my distant fellow. I hate to kill him. You see me. Consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. a stained glass window as an artist like yourself. However, since I can't have you following me either. All right, I'm very thankful that I was able to have the ability to watch The Princess Bride and call it sermon preparation this week. Um, but there's just something about sword fights that we seem to love. We find them so often in our books, our movies, our legends. And when we think of the word sword, it's so closely connected to these sword fights. That's what we think of when we think of swords. We think of fighting and attacking. So when Paul tells us that the word of God is the sword of the Spirit, we start thinking of all the ways that we can use Scripture to attack, to fight. And usually we're trying to fight these forces of evil like Paul tells us to. But sometimes we forget that our human enemies are not the forces of evil. We forget that our human enemies are still just human. They're not these enemies that Paul is asking us to fight here. So often we see people who memorize verses of Scripture just so that they can spark arguments, so that they can fight with people who disagree with them. 
And there's certainly value in memorizing lines of scripture, don't get me wrong. I admire people who can pull a verse out of seemingly thin air. Um, I've been a religion major for the past three years, and only recently have I been able to even tell you the verse number of my favorite Bible verse, uh, and I certainly don't have the exact line memorized. But there are those people who um, have the beautiful gift of being able to bring up the exact right scripture verse in the exact right way, comforting or healing the people that they need to speak with, or challenging us in the way that we need to be challenged, using the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, with precision and skill that only comes with time and practice. What we find, though, is that not everyone uses the sword of the Spirit for good. So often we find people who just swing the sword around wildly at anyone who believes differently than they do, screaming scripture verses at others just so that they can attack and attack and attack, quoting verse after verse without really stopping to think about these messages of love and compassion that they're saying, not stopping to realize that they could be hurting the very people that they're trying to help. In all of the armor of God that Paul describes, this is the only offensive weapon. He tells us about our belt of truth, our breastplate of righteousness, the shoes as our gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. All of those pieces are armor that is meant to protect us. And at the very end of this analogy, Paul gives us this brief moment of the weapon that we use against evil. And it's the words of this God that brings us peace and righteousness and truth. Paul would have been very familiar, probably a little too familiar, with the armor of a Roman soldier. Probably a bit more than the people he was even writing to. Because tradition tells us that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. So Paul used the very image of the soldiers that imprisoned him to create this image of a better world, a better church. And Paul, being in this prison, would have known that Roman soldiers didn't just have one weapon. They would usually be holding multiple weapons. They'd have something like a javelin that they could throw very far away from them. And then they could have swords and daggers that they would fight up close with. But Paul is very intentional here. He describes in detail these pieces of armor that the church should use for defense, but there's only one sword here. And Roman soldiers, or soldiers of just about any time and place, are not people who just wake up one day and decide that they want to go into battle. They need to train first. If today I decided that I wanted to pick up a sword and start fighting someone, it would almost certainly not go like I planned. Uh, my sword fighting training is all of about an hour-long class that I took in acting, um, so I would be much more likely to hurt myself uh, than I would be to use the sword as a, to defend anyone else, much less use this sword as an effective offensive strategy. And if we are to use the sword of the spirit well, the first time that we pick it up cannot be for battle. The first time that I open my Bible cannot be to find a verse that proves someone else wrong, no matter how tempting that can be sometimes. We need to train ourselves in the quiet and in the peace. We need to learn how to ask the right questions, 
to find comfort in the stories that we love, to look at the whole story of the Bible instead of just those couple of lines that prove our point. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, is this powerful tool. And we need to train ourselves to use it. We need practice. If we're going to find ourselves swinging this sword around blindly, all we're going to do is hurt each other or hurt ourselves. If you look in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, it says this. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. The word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the word of Christ, as it's put there. It's something that brings us strength, brings us joy, hopefully brings us a little bit of gratitude. This sword of the Spirit is an incredibly powerful weapon. But in the wrong hands, it can be hurtful. Hebrews 4.12 says, Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And the word of God isn't just the words in our Bibles. The word of God is moving in and through our actions. It can't be something that is dormant because our God is not dormant. Has there ever been this passage of scripture that you've read so many times that you're just sure you've got it at this point? You understand every bit of it. That one story that's just so near and dear to your hearts that you just think it's the word of God laid out in plain English. But then, a while later, you go and you reread it again. Or you sit in a Bible study and you listen to someone else tell this story. And you realize that you found yourself missing an entire perspective and meaning to the story that you love. The word of God is alive. It's not silent. If we just take the time to listen, it can give us a new perspective on life and love and what it means to be a follower of Christ. It might be easy to just swing the sword of the Spirit around and just hope that it hits. And sometimes if you do that, it might hit. You might say just the right thing at the right time, but it would be on accident. To truly use the sword well, to truly use the word well, you need to realize that God's word has completely different meanings to us at different times in our lives. A verse that you memorized years ago might take on a completely new meaning if you just let it. If we look in the first couple of verses of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. If we think of the Word of God as just this collection of books that we call the Bible, we're limiting ourselves. The Word of God is not just the King James or the NRSV or the message translation of something that was written so long ago. In these couple of verses of John, the word that John is referring to is Jesus himself. The stories that we find in the Bible, everything from the hymns, the letters, to Jesus' very ministry, that's all our starting point. It's the inspiration for the good that we do. It's where we can start to bring light and hope into the conversation. The word of God that we find in Scripture lets us see a little bit about who God is. Maybe a little bit about what God likes or doesn't like. Maybe even lets us see what God's plan might be. But it's not the final step. In those first few verses of John, he reminds us about the words that God spoke at creation, reminding us very clearly when he starts off with, in the beginning. But there's more to it than that. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is talking about the Word of God here, the words of God here. That moment in the story at the very beginning of Genesis, where God's words would create the universe. Those are the words of God, just as the gospel is the word of God. These words, these creations that come from these words, they express who God is. But that wasn't the end. That wasn't the last step. God didn't send us the creation of the universe and then never reveal anything again about who God is to us about who God should be to us. God sent us the word again, and again, and again, in a little different way this time, and then again in Jesus himself. Jesus, this man who showed us a little bit more about what God is like, showed us a little bit more about the things that God likes and doesn't, and shows us a little bit more about God's plan for us, even, or maybe especially, when we don't like that plan. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it's this powerful tool. It's one with many different meanings. It's powerful, and it's a giant responsibility. But it's one that we hope to wield with wisdom and grace and humility. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the many words that you have given us the guidance that you bring through the scriptures, through your Son, through creation itself. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you have given us. And we hope that we might use those blessings to become people who are closer to your Son as we walk with you. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing.
Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.